Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live here on At The Hive. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan, and I'm your host, Doug Branson. Uh, Sitting in for David Walker this week will be our esteemed colleague. He was once dunked on by a bona fide NBA player. That's a true story. If you've listened to the show, you you would have heard that story. If you haven't heard that story, check the archives there on iTunes or Stitcher. His name is Nick Denning, and he'll be joining us very shortly. You can follow along with us on Twitter, at Hive Talk Live, join the conversation. Send us your questions, your comments, maybe on that incredible overtime game at home against the Kings. A big win for the Hornets. We'll, we will certainly be talking about that. And we're also going to preview the game against the Wizards and the Cavs, the, the Thanksgiving holiday games for the Hornets at home. So stay tuned for that. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hive Talk Live and on Instagram at Hive Talk Live. We are live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and get these shows and our newly installed Saturday sit-downs uploaded right to your mobile device. And with that, I say let's swarm Charlotte. Let's get to this Kings game. The Hornets, they're in the middle of a seven-game homestand, and boy, Are they taking full advantage? Last night, the Hornets win a thriller in overtime against the Kings, 127-122. to Listen, I don't care if it's overtime, regulation. The fact that the Hornets are scoring 100, 110, they've put up a 130 this season. I mean, this offense is in sync. They were down in this game by as many as 22 in the middle of the third quarter. We're not talking first half here. We're talking middle of the third, down 22. But they pull off what amounted to a second, the second largest comeback in franchise history on the back of third on the back of 39 points from Kimball Walker and eight big overtime points from Jeremy Lin. There's lots to talk about with this one, and I'm joined now by our good friend from AtTheHive.com, Nick Denning. Nick, how are you? Doing well. How's it going? Good. Now, Nick, I didn't attend this game. I normally attend the home games, but I was a little under the weather for this game, so I didn't get to attend it. But it made me think of something, because you're sitting there and you're watching the Hornets go into overtime. This is an exciting game, and I saw on Twitter where our friend uh, Nada Edwards from WFNZ left during the third quarter. And I'm sure, Nick, a lot of fans probably left in the third quarter when they were down 22 
It looked like the Hornets couldn't get anything going. But they, they were disappointed that they left. But, Nick, I don't know if you ever feel this way where you maybe didn't go to a game and it turned out to be a good game or you left a game early and, and the team came back. But I'm always comforted by chaos theory, which means that you know if, if I had stayed at the game and watched the whole game or if I had gone to the game at all, the outcome would have been completely different. So I'm, I'm comforted by a blanket that is we live in a world – that is uh, chaotic and random, and there's my philosophical take on on that whole noise. What do you think about that, Nick? Well, it's it, it. You almost feel like they don't like you. Never, you know. People always say these things like they like. Well, you know, I never. You know, this this type of thing never happens to me. Like I'll go to games, and you know, I, I never see anything like this. You know, and I guess because the probability. I mean, the probability of a 22 point comeback is. So I mean, it, it, it's pretty high. It's got to be low. So, yeah. or oh, excuse me, low. Well, I'm sorry. The probably yeah, the, the probability yeah. that it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Right. So on one end, I can understand you know frustrated fans saying, you know what, I, I'm I'm not going to sit through the fourth quarter, but and and I'll be honest. I mean, I turned. I, I actually I, I missed most of the first half. You know, so I, I watched the closing minutes of the second quarter, and I said, okay, it's it's a pretty tight game. And then with that third quarter going on and, and just how poorly they played, I almost turned it off myself. I said, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't really have a stake in the game. Yeah, I'm not covering it, although I ended up doing that um, anyway, since I kind of filled in. But, but no, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you stick around, you stick with the games and, and things like that happen. Now, I mean, most nights they won't happen, but, uh, you know, we, got, we obviously got to see an exciting finish. Yeah, I think that the Hornets were getting – uh, beat on rotations. They weren't able to keep up with Rudy Gay, who was having uh, just a great shooting night, and he's coming off a few injuries. And, and so we've had a few opposing players come off injuries and really step up their game when they play the Hornets. Rudy Gay going 13 for 21 for 28 points. And then the Hornets, they they seem to struggle this year against bigger teams. And the the Kings can throw out Cousins, they can throw out Willie Cauley-Stein, or at least they did early in the game. And DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, the Hornets really had no answer for him in the first half. And I don't know if you want to say fortunately, but he seemed to be bothered by some back issues, DeMarcus did, and he went to the locker room, came back, seemed to play okay, and then near the end of the game became almost immobile and finally sat out the the last few plays of the fourth quarter. But when he was feeling okay, I mean, the the Hornets were just trying to hold on because they they really had no answer for this guy. No, they didn't. Um, I mean, he's he, – you know, you don't get to see him that much, or at least we don't because we're on the East Coast and, and uh, they're not really on national TV that much. The Hornets only play him twice. Um, but it's, you know – a night like that is just kind of reminds you of just how good he is. I'm curious. I mean, you know, watching him last night. Do you do you still looking back at your Al Jefferson for <laughs> for uh, Demarcus Cousins? You know, trade. Would you would you pull the trigger on that now? <laughs> you want my honest answer? I I don't yeah. think so. I don't because look, I get it, and I got it at the time. I know I know how dominant this guy is. I know what a talent this guy is. But I also look at the situation in Houston where they have a ton of talent, and they can't get these guys on the same page. 
and they have a great they had yeah. a great coach and 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 JB Bickerstaff is is another good coaching talent but if the chemistry isn't there l- listen you can go to the you, with enough talent you can get to the championship or get to the conference finals or go to the playoffs every year but i just don't believe that you can win an nba championship and that's the goal right you can't win an nba championship without chemistry you can't win one without a lot of yeah. talent but you can't win one without chemistry either and and i just don't think and we saw it in that game i mean there were moments when i felt like kind of cousins took them out of it mentally and 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 yeah. it, it, you know i just don't think that that's level of talent justifies completely messing with the juju of a team and I really feel like it would with the Hornets and especially this season because I feel like the Hornets are finally after a really rough year last season the Hornets are finally starting to gel and they're finally starting to really everyone's falling into a role and everyone seems bought in that's the thing it's like Jeremy Lamb is buying in Jeremy Lin, who is yeah. in more of a reduced role than he's than he's normally been in. He's buying in, Nick, and that's that's the kind of player that I want—a player that can buy in. No, that's that's fair. I mean, that's that's very fair. Um, you know, and it's you know, I, I guess I've you know, we we we're both Clifford fans. I feel like Clifford is is you know would be a guy that could do that, but at the same time, I think your your Houston Rockets point is good. I mean. You know, I, I everyone I think kind of just assumed that you know adding Ty Lawson was going to make this you know good team even better, and that really hasn't been the case. And I don't think that the problems are necessarily all on Ty Lawson. There seems to be uh, a greater disconnect there with a lot of the players, you know, between the players and the staff. I and mean, we've kind of seen the you know I don't know if you've seen the clips of guys just kind of not taking plays off, not really going as hard. That's that is a problem. I mean, talent can't can't win games if, if the mentality isn't right. Um, you know, I. I, I and I think the Hornets, the Hornets certainly, at least, at least they had it for most of the time last night. That third quarter, though, I kind of wrote it in my notes and observations. I, they seemed, they, they, they checked out. I mean, we got to admit, yeah. they did check out, and they managed to get it together. Well, that's the second straight game, too. But, that's the second straight game, too, Nick, yeah. that they've checked out because they checked out in the third quarter coming out of the half against the Sixers, but they had a large lead. So, And, and it's not right. like – I mean, Kemba Walker, who had 39 points, had one of the best games of his career – and finally, the Hornets capitalize on a Kimball Walker right. game. Amazing. Right. I mean, normally we don't see that. I believe I I can't credit the person that tweeted this out because I can't remember, but someone tweeted out that this was the highest scoring game from Kimba in a Hornets win ever. So again, and we've seen him have 40-point games. He had one against the Magic that I believe the Hornets lost in a close one last season. So the Hornets tend to... And it's not always Kimball Walker's fault. You know, sometimes when a guy scores, you know, sort of the Kobe, Kyrie Irving type of game where they, or Russ Westbrook, where, you know, they'll score 40 plus, but they take a majority of the shots and they miss a lot of shots. So you go, well, yeah, he scored 40, but look at all the shots he missed. <laughs> Kimba, not necessarily always like that. And we've seen a couple of games that they've yeah. blown. But anyhow, Kimba say, saying after the game that they know that that's an issue, that checking out. Yeah. whether it be you know getting off to a slow start or coming out of the half that's an issue and so they'll definitely have to look at that nick but but i think the chemistry is starting to come together 
But you, you mentioned that there are moments where it didn't, and I remember from this past game where uh, Nick Batum uh, threw a cross-court pass to Cody Zeller, expecting him to be in one place, and Cody started to make the cut. And let me tell you something. What One funny thing about Nick Batum is – He's not afraid to let you know that you were supposed to be somewhere. <laughs> he's now screamed at Frank Kaminsky and Cody Zeller. He's a he's a very he's a very good player and he's a very intense player. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. I think he can make a great coach. I don't know if, he, if, his, if that's his thing, but I mean, his feel for the game. He, he you know he it's like he when, he when you watch him with the ball, it's like he knows where every single player is on the court and he knows where they're supposed to be going to, and he has a, he just has a feel for what a what defenses are going to do if he does one thing versus another. And I, I mean, but no, and then, you know, you get, you add in that little, uh, the little mentality of letting, letting you know when you've done something wrong. Yeah. That's, you know, I think, he, I think you can do it. All right. So we've talked about Kemba's big game again, 16 for 23 from the field, 39 points, very efficient. And then of course, uh, the, we tweeted out from Hive Talk Live, the shot chart here from NBA.com forward slash stats. Last four games played for Charlotte, they've been 3-1. and one. Kimba's assist-to-turnover ratio is 2.86. That's good. His points per game, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, 61.5% uh, from the field, 27 points per game, and 55% from beyond the arc. We've heard all about Kimba and his focus in the offseason to improve his shooting, and so far we are seeing it. Again, Lynn had a big game there in overtime, uh, eight points for the Hornets, big buckets, driving the lane, uh, something we're getting accustomed to seeing from Jeremy Lin, crunch time minutes and getting to the basket. And then we also have to talk about Frank Kaminsky, the, the sub by Clifford to get Frank in. He played serious minutes in the fourth quarter and into overtime, and and that really, not not necessarily the sub itself, started the run but once frank came in the, the run to get back into this game started i mean he played really well nick oh yeah i mean yeah i mean i've noticed uh, you know the last couple of games you started to see him really start to things are starting to click a little bit especially offensively but tonight or last night we saw the defense and you know they put him on Rudy Gay, which you'd think i mean you know, frank isn't exactly he wasn't really known for his defense going in there but he seemed to just he, he kept it simple. You know, he was able to stay in front of Gay. He at least was able to disrupt the shots a little bit. He wasn't perfect. But, I mean, it made a difference because, I mean, no one really, up until that point, anyone else who had been guarding Gay really was having a, a hard time. Jeremy Lamb. And, yeah, Lamb had, yeah, Lamb had Lamb, a tough think, game defensively, and, and I think, you know, Frank and, and others stepped up and carried the load. Did you um, – I don't I, – I, I listened to Clifford's postgame um, – press conference last night and um apparently uh yeah late I, I don't know if this was in the fourth quarter or in overtime but uh clifford was looking to, to sub in marvin for frank you know as a, for a defensive purpose and and frank said no coach like I'm, I'm good i'm good apparently said that on the on the in the huddle wow so i mean that's i like i like that i mean that's you know that you know frank understood what he, the position he was in he knew hey i'm in, I'm in a i'm playing late game minutes right here and i'm doing well and that's, that's that's a lot of growth from him over the last week and a half. It's not a coming out game in the sense that it will garner any kind of attention nationally or really even on a local scale amongst fans. But for people who are following him closely, this was a big step for Frank because we talk about offensively. I mean, he hit a, he hit a big bucket late in the game after missing two straight three-pointers. So again, it's just about confidence 
not not losing yourself. You know, we see it so often with rookie players. They'll miss a few shots and forget how to play defense. They'll get in their own head. They they will defer. But we're not seeing that from Frank. We're, we're seeing a guy who played four years of big-time college basketball. That's where the experience really starts to come in. And you're right. I mean, defensively, he knows. He knows that he has to step it up. And he know he knew the stage. He knew the moment. He understood that if he played well in this moment, that it could affect how many minutes he gets down the line. And, you know, luckily for the Hornets and for Hornets fans, he did just that. So, yeah, big stuff there for from Frank Kaminsky. Again, finishing four for eight from the field for a, a cool nine points. But that plus minus up there, a, a game or a team leading 23 because, again, he was in there for the start of that run. Anything else? Anything else from this game that you saw? I mean, they, they won the rebounding battle. That's big, especially when you're playing a big team like the Kings, big in size. Yeah, a couple of things. I really liked well, – you, you start talking about rebounds, and I'll start with that. Um, I, liked, I liked the front court of, of Zeller and, and, and Frank and Kaminsky, you know. Um, Zeller, you know, I've, I've kind of been thinking about how could Zeller thrive in a, um, you know, as a center and, or at the five spot. And, he, and, you know, he guarded Cousins. He, I mean, and Clifford, Clifford also said this, you know, post-game. He said, you know, Cousins, when he plays the five, he's essentially the power forward. And, you right. know, Zeller kind of has that speed to, to match that. Um, but Zeller came up with big rebounds. That's gonna, you know, that kind of is gonna go under the radar a little bit. But they were big rebounds. Um, Frank did good there too. I'm interested to see if maybe that could be a potential lineup. Just because Zeller, you know, we we they, they were hoping Zeller could be an outside threat. I don't think he's made a shot outside 10 feet yet. So clearly, that's not quite there yet. Um, and maybe that's just you know he didn't really get as much time to to get you know to practice the shot this summer just because he had the surgery. Um, but no, I, I I'd like to maybe see more of that, at least, or at least just see more of Zeller at the five. Um, the other thing I got I got to I got to credit Lynn. I, you know, obviously Walker was huge down the stretch, and, and you know his game winner was great. Um, Lynn, uh, you know, Lynn has this like uh, I think it was uh, I think it was Audi Joseph of Sporting News. He kind of pointed this out, and he goes like Lynn makes a lot of like really. Like you, you see him take these layups, and you're like, "Why is he?" You know, it's, they're very—they're not—they're not your commonplace layups. Difficult but he, shots. He, he, yeah, but the, he makes—he makes them at tough angles. You know, he seems—it's coming to the point where it's like the tougher the angle, <laughs> the better chance it has to go in. And then the big—the uh, step back jumper he hit to, to extend the lead back to four when when Sacramento was starting to chip away, and I think they had cut it to two in overtime. That was that was a really big shot. So, you know. Credit credit to Lynn. He did. He played very well, um, and it's it's just great that we can have other guys that can step up in these situations. Because in the past, it was really just Walker or or Jefferson to a lesser extent. Well, and again, I, I think it goes back to this bench being such an asset for the Hornets. The Kings don't play a lot of players. I mean, they they play an eight, you know, nine man at most rotation. And you saw Rajon Rondo. Very tired at the end of that game. Rudy Gay as well, and and Kimba when he hit that basket to send the the Hornets up two at the end, uh, you know drove right by Rajon Rondo and Rudy Gay who just looked completely gassed, and and so it, yeah it helps when when you can bring guys off the bench, fresh legs. You know Lynn played thirty minutes and but Kimba played forty six, and so 
you know, Kemba had to do so much to get the team back in in the third and the fourth, or excuse me, in the fourth quarter that had Kemba had to carry the load in that overtime, I don't know that the Hornets win. You know, just having someone like Lynn, again, a secondary playmaker to come in in overtime and and say, okay, I got this. I'm a shot maker. I'm a playmaker. Don't worry, Kemba. I'm going to finish this off for you. I mean, that's huge for the Hornets. Huge. Yeah. So it's it was it was a great game and an exciting game for fans and again Hornets eight and six now they they are what eighth place in the Eastern Conference it's a tougher Eastern Conference yep. so you know you look at these games and you go these are very important wins early on you're in a home stand it's much easier to win at home than it is on the road and so you know these are big wins for the Hornets and certainly you know they'll take it and they'll take one twenty seven to one twenty two the Kings are a fast paced team. They're a high-scoring team, and so you know e- even if the Hornets' defense was up to up to par, or you know it, it, what we've seen out of the Hornets' defense in the past, this was going to be a tough game to keep the score down. So you know a resilient team, uh, the the Hornets coming away with the comeback victory, and um, you know, I think it says a lot about what this team's going to face against the Wizards because the Wizards, again, another fast-paced team, and we'll get to that here in a second. We're going to preview the Wizards game. We're going to preview the Cavs game. And we're also, this is a, a cool thing. You're part of a tradition here on this show. This goes all the way back to uh, the podcast show that we did uh, some two-odd seasons ago, Nick. And this is where we talk about uh, which which of these Hornets players uh, resembles which Thanksgiving food? It's our Hornets holiday feast. This is a fun thing, Nick. And again, this is part of show tradition. So you should be very, should be very honored that you're a part of this. I want to get to, uh, well, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I, I don't, I have no clue. I mean, I love Thanksgiving food, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that my, my picks, my, my food, comparisons i don't know we'll see what happens listen it's it's all about confidence and just like the hornets bench i mean you just got to come in and be confident and shoot the ball like you it's all about how you sell it uh and 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 that'll help you all right let's go to before we get to our nba picks we'll tell you what to watch this week want to go to twitter uh we've got our first tweet here from fahad it says it's time to deal hairston and big al thoughts I don't. I don't think you can really deal PJ Harrison. He's such a specific. He's serving such a specific role on this team. Uh, first of all, you don't. I don't think the Hornets want to lose that defense on the first unit. But I don't know that he really carries that much of a trade value. And really, the same goes for Big Al. I think Nick. I don't know what the trade value is there, unless they find a very specific team. And we talked about this, I believe, last week or the week before that. The problem with trading Big Al, even though he's an expiring contract, normally that's valuable, Nick, but so many teams yeah. are going to have so much cap space next season because of the TV money that there are very few teams that are really going to be hungry to unload a lot of cap space. So that's where, again, I think Big Al, his minutes are reduced. It seems like you know he's on the, the downslide of his career so it's going to be harder to trade a guy like that. Your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, that's it's not only would it be hard to trade Al Jefferson right now, I also think I don't know if you'll be able to find a better player in a trade right now. 
you know, even because I, I think his biggest asset for other teams would be that expiring contract, but they're not going to be interested in giving a player back unless that player has a number of years remaining on a contract. Um, but that player has to be very, has to be significantly better than Jefferson. Um, plus, I also, I mean, you know, I understand this idea, but it's, you know, we're only 14 games in. Um, plus, you know, this team, I think, like you mentioned, you've mentioned it, you know, a couple times already. The team is gelling, and Jefferson is a big, is a good locker room presence. I think he's one of the, you know, the more he's obviously a veteran. I think he's very well, very well liked. You know, trading him just for the sake of, you know, finding an asset or, you know, a, or a pick, whatever it may be, that's not going to go over well in the locker room. And, you know, if whether or not Jefferson's with this team long term, we don't know the answer to that yet, and that's going to be a debate throughout the season. But, you know, if, if it comes if it comes to, you know, if it comes to that decision time, you know, whether he comes back or not after next season, I think, I, personally, I think they let that, let, they let his contract ride out. Well, and, and here's what you have to consider as well, and Clifford will talk about this. I believe he talked about it this afternoon or this morning on WFNZ, that Big Al is is a rare breed in the NBA in that he is a player that demands double teams still. Right. And, and he's made teams right. like Philadelphia and Dallas pay when they decided not to double team him. But even the the mere, even if he doesn't play well, even if he doesn't shoot well, the mere fact that he can draw a double team helps Nick Batum. It helps Jeremy Lamb when they play on the floor together. It helps Kimball Walker because once you start to divert that attention, it, it sends a shock wave through. You really see this if you go look at the movement charts on uh, NBA the NBA stats page. When you start to see how mm-hmm. a defense reacts to Al Jefferson, when you start to see how the defense moves. It makes a big difference to the offense, and especially I think it makes a difference to this team because you've got budding stars. You don't you st- you know even Nick Batum, he's budding in terms of his stardom, yeah. in terms of his ability to create his own shot and take over a game. Kimball Walker, same way. Jeremy Lamb coming into his own, but you need that help to allow them to continue to improve, to continue to develop. You know, instead of leaving them out on an island where, where they can simply you know run out their their set defense and, and you don't get any kind of movement in the defense at all they can they can play one on one with Kimball Walker so I think that's where the value comes from having a guy like Jefferson on the floor this season now next season when you know again you'll have Jeremy Lamb hopefully a lot better Nick Batum you could hopefully re-sign him and he'll be a lot better. Then you can start talking about that when when you have another guy maybe develop that can that can bring that double team, but right now right. he's a huge asset. All he right, is. and and you know what? Well, I was going to just just kind of mm-hmm. like with that. His PR right now is third third highest in the team at twenty point eight, and I know his numbers are down offensively, but he's I mean I think you know player efficiency rating does kind of you know give some light on how you know efficient a player is and how good a player is while he's on the floor. Um, I think that's that's telling that he is still playing at a high level, efficiency, you know, efficiently, despite his numbers regressing. Yeah, he adds a, another dynamic to this offense. I mean, you have to plan against this team in, in two completely different ways. I mean, the fact that you can bring Jefferson on and he can be effective in the first and second quarter, and then you have to deal with an entirely new Hornets team in the fourth quarter 
that to me that's that's an asset that's a value it is so and the hornets have been able to exploit that they exploited it last night against the kings so and cousins man let me say one more thing about demarcus cousins you know why he's such a great player <laughs> he's so smart and I, you know i i know this is funny because i say i wouldn't trade him straight up for jefferson but <laughs> what 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 really impresses me about him is that he sees uh, uh, jefferson and says all right i'm going to shoot on this guy and then they sub in yeah. Zeller, and he says, all right, I'm going to back this guy down. And he did both yeah. amazingly. So that's what makes yeah. him a cool player to watch is that he's he's cerebral in his offense, and he's so effective at both aspects of that game that he's able to do that. So, all right, let's – pump fake, too. Yo, oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's a pump fake. It's a shot. You know, he's tough defensively. He had two big blocks. They probably were both fouls, but they, you know, they end up yeah. blocks on the stat yeah, sheet. I- all right. Now, enough about DeMarcus Cousins. Right. Let's talk about these NBA picks. Uh, fire away. We'll get. We'll give you first uh, first shot here, Nick, on your NBA picks. What sh- What should Hornets fans be watching over the Thanksgiving break? Oh, let's see. Um, the you know, trying to think. We've got. We play Wednesday, Friday, and and Sunday. Is that correct? Yes. So it's Wednesday Wizards, uh, Friday Cavs, Sunday Bucks. Okay, yeah, my um, my lock is going to be Sunday against the Bucks. <laughs> that's a good. That's um, a good lock. <laughs> I like that lock. Uh, just because you know it's there. The Bucks are, we, we you know like, they look good at times, but you know there's like they're, they're still. I don't know if they. I can't tell if they quite if they've you know regressed or if they've you know I don't know. They, they're they're still figuring some things out over there, but I think that we'll still be you know just. Depending on even even if things kind of go south these next couple of games, because obviously Washington and Cleveland are tough games, um, I still think I still think that um, you know Sunday's game that's that's our best bet in terms of. Um, and uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I got to look up the quick. I got to look at my picks here. So if you want to go ahead and do yours, all right, and perfect. I'll go and then. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. All right. So um, for uh, let's see. I, actually, I'm going to read David's picks first. So David has okay. The national game, uh, Heat uh, Knicks on NBA TV, 7.30 p.m., and his winner yeah. is the New York Porzingers. His league pass special <laughs> is the Atlanta Hawks against the Spurs. So you have Budenholzer, who is a Greg Popovich, on the Popovich coaching tree against his uh, former sensei in, in San Antonio. That's on Saturday at 8.30 p.m., his winner the San Antonio Spurs, and his Hornets lock. He's actually going with Washington. And the Hornets, I believe they split the series last season, so that's a 50-50 toss-up there. Hornets lock against Washington. All right, here are my picks. I've got the Hornets over the Bucks. Again, that's a 2 p.m. tip, so it's a weird tip. It's on Saturday. Or, excuse me, it's on Sunday because there's no Panthers to deal with. They're, of course, playing on Thanksgiving Day. National TV, there's only two national TV games this week, even though David kind of cheated and picked an NBA TV game. We'll give it to him. It's okay. He's on vacation. (laughs) Uh, But really, only two true national TV games, and those both happen tonight on TNT. Uh, I know as soon as I pick Golden State that they're going to lose, and I don't want that kind of juju on my hands. So I'm taking the other game, which is Atlanta over Boston tonight. I believe it's in Boston. Don't care. I like the Hawks. In uh, I like the Hawks over the Celtics. Finally, the league's pass special. It's going to be Sunday, the Los Angeles Clippers over Minnesota. I picked this game 
because it tips at 3 o'clock Eastern, it's on Sunday. Again, no Panthers. So all you Carolina fans, you get a chance to see the Clippers and the Wolves, two exciting teams for different reasons. A lot of superstar talent there, and you get to see them at 3 o'clock Eastern. So flip over to League Pass and catch the Clippers. Uh, And I, I think the Clippers will beat Minnesota. So I think that's a really good watch. Okay, now over to Nick for your picks. Okay, so I'm also going to go with Boston and Atlanta tonight because um, I, you know, I can't, I, I can't actually recommend anyone watch the Lakers. Obviously, it wouldn't be for the Lakers; it'd be for Golden State. But I'm going to. I think Boston and Atlanta is a very intriguing matchup. I think those teams are very close uh, in terms of talent. The game is actually at Atlanta. I don't know if that affects your pick at all. Oh, um, was it? Okay, it, it doesn't because I yeah. like the Hawks. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to take Boston in this. I, I, I'm actually really interested to see because you know they've they're seven and six right now, but you know they're you know Brad Stevens is doing something over there because they they don't have a star and yet I mean they're doing some good things. Well, they can throw I, they I'm can throw curious. an entirely different lineup at you night tonight. Yeah, yeah, very so deep that's, team. That's very uh, right. Um, my uh, lead pass game is Wednesday, so tomorrow it's uh, Cleveland at Toronto. And my reason for this is, uh, you know, Toronto's, Toronto's been the Atlantic Division winner the last couple of years. Um, they, you know, they just lost Valanciunas, so that's obviously a, a significant loss for them. But, you know, it, this, is, this is a chance to see two division leaders, just kind of see how, it, you know, Toronto's at home. Can they come up with a big win here against the Cleveland team? Um, you know, that's obviously one of the favorites in, in the East. But I think that's a very intriguing matchup. So that's at 7.30 on, uh, on Wednesday tomorrow. And then obviously, as I said, my uh, Hornets lock is Sunday against the Bucks. All right, we'll have an update on the standings on our Saturday sit-down, which will be, I should update you now, which will be recorded Saturday night. So we'll probably go up on Sunday because of the Thanksgiving holiday. But I'll have an update on the stats on the standings for our NBA picks then. Um, I want to go back to Twitter. Jack tweeting us, answering our Twitter question, uh, which was, Frank saw serious minutes last night all the way through overtime. Do you like his play or wish he had been subbed? Jack says, stay in. He's proved he's golden when in high-pressure situations like March Madness and uh, finals and semifinals. So, yeah, I mean, Frank has played in big-time situations on big stages, and it's clear he is not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid to take big shots in big situations, and and that's, to me, the one thing that you want to see out of a rookie, and we're seeing it out of you know, Porzingis. We're seeing it out of Jalil Okafor in Philadelphia. I mean, he has taken over that offense, and really you know, there's not much to take it over from, but he is doing it and and even Justice Winslow i mean justice is uh, has a very defined role in Miami and he's doing what he's been asked to do which is play really intense defense and he's doing it and i think what's impressive nick about what frank has been able to do is that his role is not defined and his minutes are not stable you know he is coming in to each game not really knowing what he's right. going to be asked to do. And I think that has to be really tough, especially on a rookie, and yet he's coming in and performing at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, knowing because I don't think even – I doubt he even thought, you know, I'm going to be in the fourth quarter of this game. 
you know, unless, unless, of course, in the third quarter he was thinking, well, we're going to be blown out. I'm just going to get some garbage minutes here. But then, you know, when the, came, when the comeback started and they got, got it close, you know, Clifford went with them, and, and, he, and he delivered. And that's, you know, that's being game ready. So I think despite, you know, not knowing what he's going to be doing each night, I, I think it's very telling that he's been able to, especially over the last three games, um, you know, step up and, and contribute, even if, even if it doesn't necessarily reflect in the box score, as we said. It, he is contributing out there. Well, and I like that, A, that Frank had the confidence to say, no, listen, I got this on defense, and that mm. more than that, that Clifford had the trust. You know, I think that's a big thing with this team is trust. First of all, I think yeah. the guys trust one another much more than they did last season. And I think there are a variety of reasons for that. I think there were obviously chemistry issues and, and we're trying to find a way to work Lance in, but we saw big trust issues between Lance and Clifford. And that's to me that's the biggest difference between what's going on with Al Jefferson right now not playing late in situations and what happened with Lance last season because I think Al has Al's always going to perform at a certain level or higher in a game. He's just a veteran. He, he's He's been around the block a time or two. You know, he knows how to perform at a high level. But I think, again, Al Jefferson has bought in to less minutes, longer career, different role. Whereas I don't think Lance yeah. really ever fully embraced the role or the opportunity that was given to him, and that caused all that rippled down and caused all kinds of issues. So I think that there's a trust level on this team that's much higher than it was last season between the players, between one another, and also uh, from you know Coach Clifford and the rest of the staff and these different guys. Because that's that's huge. I mean, that's a big game. That's a big game situation. And a rookie says, you know, we we talk about how Clifford doesn't like to play rookies, but then for a rookie to say, hey, listen, I've got this, and the coaches say, okay. Go show me. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. So, big stuff from the Hornets there. Hey, let's let's preview. Oh, by the way, Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Tweet us your questions. Tweet us your comments. We're reading them here on the show. So get those in because we wanna we wanna you know let you guys control the conversation. If you guys want to talk about one thing over another, I think uh, you know getting PJ Harrison back. It didn't seem as as a big a deal as I, I think I thought it was going to be, I thought PJ would play a little better defensively, but it, it didn't really happen. I think there were some boneheaded errors there from PJ Hairston. I don't know a lot of fans want to talk about him and his role in the starting lineup. I don't think it's going to really, I don't think it's really going to affect things with PJ Hairston in the starting lineup because again, it's it's sort of a situation, Nick, and you can disagree or agree with me on this, where you know it's kind of the lesser of two evils. Having PJ in that starting lineup is the lesser of two evils in the sense of having to put a guy like Lamb or Lynn in the starting lineup and lose what they give you late in games. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you can't. Someone has got to be the fifth option in that starting lineup. And do you want it to be Jeremy Lamb or would you rather it be PJ Harrison? And you know, I'd rather see PJ take maybe get a couple of shots up. He's going to get a couple of opportunities, and if he makes them, great. If not, you know, at least he has defensive capabilities. You know, he hasn't been he hasn't been consistent enough, I think. But 
I understand, you know, lesser of two evils is a good way of putting it. And the o- the only option I could see where PJ isn't in the starting lineup is if is if Clifford decides to decides to go big and and, and shifts Marvin to the three, um, and then you see Cody maybe playing the four, um, and now playing the five, and then that that would theoretically maybe give, give more minutes, you know, for someone like Frank and um, obviously Spencer Hawes, you know, as well. Uh, but no, I think I think unless you know they they can figure something else out. You know, figure out another lineup that that could get maybe Lamb or Lynn more involved. I think Clifford wants to see those guys continue with the bench, and and there's nothing wrong with with those guys coming off the bench if mm-hmm. they continue to play as well as they, as they are. I mean, that's you know, I think it's a situation of why mess with that. Because the other thing about this is, you know, that spot that PJ is holding, that's MKG's spot, and when MKG comes back, he's going to be in that starting lineup. So. You know, sure, you could make Lamb the starter right now. You could make Lynn the starter right now. But when when MKG comes back, they're going to go back to that to that second unit. So why not let them, you know, gel even more in that second unit? And and you know, and then that's and then that's how it would be. So I, you know, and that's just my feeling on it. Yeah, it could be a longer term look because if this team continues on this trajectory, you're looking at a playoff berth, and, and so you could possibly get. MKG back from injury either later in the year looking at maybe late March early April or possibly you know in the playoffs so I think that's a great you know I don't know if they're thinking like that but it would be great to have that second unit uh, continuing to get to know one another and and also because I think having Lamb develop on that second unit because I I could very I could see him as a starter next season when yeah. there may be not. I mean, you know, Batum could go, Al Jefferson could go. Yeah. So there's not going to be as many players that need the ball on that starting lineup potentially. So, you know, I think it's good that Jeremy Lamb gets a chance to really showcase and, and highlight his offensive ability in that second unit where if he were a starter, he would have to defer to Kemba you would hope that he would defer to Kemba or uh, Nick Batum. So, all right, let's talk about the week ahead. So two big games coming up, both home games. Again, they're part of this big home stand for the Hornets. And uh, it's really a Thanksgiving feast for Hornets fans because you've got a division rival in the Washington Wizards coming to town. And then also uh, the the really big one, the Cleveland Cavaliers traveling to Charlotte, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and of course, uh, the superstar Matthew Dellavedova. Uh, let's first start with the Washington Wizards. Uh, this is a a Wizards team that is much different than last year, Nick, because last year they they wanted to get you into a defensive slugfest. They were a lot like the Hornets, and they've changed. The Hornets have changed, which I think that, that you know both of them are trying to space the floor. The difference between the two teams, the Wizards pushing the pace, whereas the Hornets are still in a relatively similar pace that they were last year. So the the Wizards are the fourth highest paced team at 101.9. The Hornets uh, still in the middle of the pack at 98.9. They have a high free throw attempt rate, and they've got a lot of big men and players who can slash to the rim and draw fouls. Uh, the, the biggest one, of course, being John Wall. And the, the big lineup change for this team, they've shifted Nene back into the bench to bring up uh, some different options, uh, some different three-point options. Jared Dudley, 
Uh, we've seen uh, Otto Porter Jr. work his way into the starting lineup. Anything to give the Wizards a little more offense. What have you seen from this team so far this season? Well, I mean, Bradley Beal has obviously made an impact, and you know he's he's leading the league in sco- or leading the team in scoring at you know over twenty a game. He's shooting the ball very well. Um, he's he's got a forty seven percent field goal percentage, and a, uh, he's shooting forty seven percent from three from three point land as well. That's very good. I mean, this is in seven games, so he's he's only played you know seven games compared to about ten with the with the other guys. Um, but obviously, he's going to be a focal point of um, of the Hornets on Wednesday. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, do they? Uh, I, I I could see PJ starting on him because they are kind of similar heights, they're similar um, to the, the same position. Um, but you can definitely see Batum guarding him a lot down the stretch. Um, I could see Lynn guarding him as well. So he, he's going to definitely be a um, a point um, of emphasis. Um, Otto Porter, I mean, like you know, he's kind of a, it's been a developing process with him, but he's now in the starting lineup. He's averaging nearly 14 points a game. Not a good three-point threat, but he does have a field goal percentage of over 500. That's um, that's very good, and he's attempting 10 shots a game. So that's something that is um, worth noting. He's going to be uh, another potential matchup problem. Um, he's obviously a very good defender. Yeah, it's interesting that you know this team. Obviously, they're they. I think they're they are their eighth in the league in scoring, so they're they're up there with the Hornets, but um, but 26th in in, in points per in uh, points per opponents points per game. So if the Hornets um, can can score, you know, can uh, which they're obviously they're showing they can, um, especially last night or uh, last night, um, this could be in a very similar game of uh, you know very high scoring, well into the uh, into the hundreds. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the Washington Wizards started 3-1, and one, and they were committing a lot of turnovers. The, the defense just wasn't there, but it seems like in the last few games, their defense has finally started to figure things out and finally started to gel. By the way, I want to I want to I want to like take uh, full credit for how smart uh, I sound with some of this Wizards analysis. But um, I, t- I was talking with uh, my friend Adam Rubin from TruthAboutIt.net, trying to get a read on this uh, new look Wizards team. So definitely, if you need some Washington Wizards information, if you want to scout this team for yourself, head over to TruthAboutIt.net. Uh, but the, this team has an absurd amount of former Bobcats and former Hornets. Look at this. So they've they acquired just this offseason, they acquired Allen Anderson, Gary Neal, Scary Neal, and Jared Dudley, and they also have Ramon Sessions. I mean, what is it? listen of all the strategies in the world? <laughs> I don't know if going after former Bobcats is a, is a great NBA strategy, but the Wizards you, you are, missed, are. You missed another one. There's one. There's one player you missed. I can't think. Who? Garrett Simple. Oh, oh! I see. I always forget him. I always forget him. <laughs> I, I swear, and it's nothing against Garrett Temple. He just spent—I think he spent so little time. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, a lot of former Bobcats and a lot of former, a couple of former Hornets, or one former Hornet and Gary Neal. But these guys tend to have big games. I feel like against the Hornets. So, so that's a concern. Uh, again, you can't under, underestimate the Wizards' defense because it, it seems like. They're finally starting to get in the correct direction and turning the ball over a lot less in the past few games. 
So uh, one guy I think, and we've already mentioned him, Jared Dudley, the Hornets have to watch because he's getting crunch time minutes with the starters. And so I think we could see a lot of Marvin Williams late in this game because you got to have somebody out there that can stay with Jared Dudley because they're playing him in a stretch four role. So maybe a little less Zeller late, a little more Marvin Williams, or possibly even Frank Kaminsky. But I think Clifford is a little concerned still with Frank Kaminsky's perimeter defense, so that uh, uh, might not happen. And also Chris Humphreys playing really well, shooting the ball really well. Again, they've turned to him and, and said, you know, you haven't made a lot of threes prior, but we need three-point production. Chris Humphreys, to his credit, worked on it in the offseason and um, and it's 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 working out well for the Wizards. So this is a I've got a few bullet points here. What to watch for from our friends at TruthAboutIt.net. Uh, Washington is making a habit out of inbounding the ball very quickly after made baskets. So watch for that. Maybe could turn into four six points for Washington. Uh, Bill missed three games with a sore shoulder and was quiet in his return against Detroit on Saturday. If he's quiet once again versus Indiana, they uh, he may be aggressive against Charlotte, so watch for that. And uh, Gortat, Marcin Gortat, their center, usually has trouble stepping out to defend Al Jefferson. If Nene misses the game, he's questionable uh, for tonight's game against Indiana. It's going to be interesting to see who guards Al on the second unit. So again, those uh, what to watch for from Truth About It, from our friends at truthaboutit.net. And... Also a note here from uh, our friend uh, Rick Bunnell at the Charlotte Observer, Nick Batum, has a stomach flu. I'm right there with you, Nick. I'm not feeling so hot myself. Listed as questionable to play versus the Wizards Wednesday. I was questionable to do this show, but, um, you know, sometimes you got to do – it's like the flu game. I mean, sometimes you got to go out and play play a little ill, play a little sick, play a little hurt. Nothing wrong with that. And, of course, the Hornets have the Cavs. You know what? You know what? I'm not going to predict that they're going to beat the Cavs, Nick. I'm not going to do that. But I will say this, Nick: the Cavs have a weak bench and a bench that's hurt right yeah. now. Mo Williams has has missed a few games. Uh, Timothy Mozgov, he's missed a few games. So that leaves you know Verajao. That leaves you know a, a weak bench, and they play the starters a ton. So it it could be another Sacramento Kings situation where, you know, you wear these guys down, you hang around, you stay with it, and then Bench Force One comes in and 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 takes care of business. What say you? It's possible. I mean, that's going to be. <laughs> you know, well, look, you know, uh, no, it can look, happen. <laughs> look, I mean, I, I I don't see any way the Hornets can slow down LeBron. I just, I, well, I Kevin to, Love. Gonna, I mean, Kevin I mean, Love I, has I, been, Love yeah. has been the, the difference maker. I mean, look, LeBron is going to be LeBron. LeBron's going to do what he yeah. does. But, but having Love at full strength for this Cavs team is making them, you know, the number one team in the East without Kyrie yeah. Irving. That's the scary part. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, no, I think you're, you're, you're honest. something. it's, you know, can okay, can can the Hornets keep it keep it close with when you know with when the starting fives are out there? If they can, yeah, then I think the bench you know the bench has a chance to exploit that you know the the Cavs thinner bench, you know, and and that could be the chance to maybe try and pull away. I know that the Hornets have done that a lot with their bench and able to build a lead you know with that second unit, and uh, that's got to I mean 
there's going to have to be a lot of, of uh, players on their game Friday night because it's just, I mean, historically the, the Bobcats slash Hornets in recent years have not played well against LeBron James-led teams. Um, and I don't see that, you know, I, I, obviously it's, it's every year is different, but it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough night, but you know what, Friday night, I mean, God, like that's, that's got to get people excited. You know, the crowds are going to be out there. You know, there's a lot of fans to see LeBron. It's going to be a packed house, you know, horse can feed off some energy. You know, this, you, you never know. You never know. You know, it's going to be one of the, the weird things that I think makes a difference in this game. It sounds hilarious to say when we talk about LeBron James and Kevin Love, but I really think for the starters to keep it close, it's all it all has to start with ball pressure on Matthew Dellavedova because he is shooting the ball from inside the arc very, very well. From the paint and his, you know, mid range game on point this season, but he's not shooting the ball well from the perimeter. So if you can force him to take outside shots and, and and you can rebound well I mean you gotta block out Kevin Love, which is a tough task, and LeBron. But if you can rebound well and make Delavadova take tough shots, you can live with whatever LeBron does to you. To a certain extent you can live with whatever Kevin Love does to you. But if you can if you can keep Matthew Delavadova from making an impact on the game and then and then just hope that Lamb and Lynn and Spencer Hawes or Frank Kaminsky, all these guys come together, try to get you back into the game because the Magic were able to do it. The Magic hung with the Cavs. Again, this you you can't you really can't uh, stress how weak this bench is for the Cavs. So you know, and, and then you look at the Hornets bench, and it's such a strength. So I'm just saying, like Nick, I think they have a chance. <laughs> It's not a big one, but again, I mean, you look at last season and they had no chance because they had no bench. I mean, you had no weapons. Uh, There was no cavalry coming. Cavalry, not cavalry. Those are two different things. Cavalry. I hope you, I don't know if you saw the the title of this episode, Nick, but I, I called back to my, or I called back to the Hornets names origin. A veritable hornet's nest of rebellion. That's the name of this episode because it really what it felt like against the Kings. It felt like they were staging a rebellion. Like, no, we're not going to lose this game. And if you were yeah. a Kings fan, if you were Rajon Rondo, if you were Rudy Gay, it probably felt like you know a, a hornet's nest cracked open because these guys were all over the place in the fourth quarter, and they just and especially Kemba just would not stop hitting threes in that fourth quarter. Okay, final segment. We have about five minutes left. This is a Hive Talk Live tradition that goes all the way back to our origins. Speaking of origins, goes back to our origins several years ago. This is the Hornets Holiday Feast. It's where we go through the roster and tell you which Hornets match most closely with your favorite Thanksgiving foods. Uh, you, our, you uh, Nick, are our esteemed guest and I'll I will give you the first crack at this. I, I have a ton, by the way. I'm probably gonna have to just reel mine off. But I, I want to give you the first <laughs> first crack at that. Yeah. I love this. is my favorite. This is probably my favorite segment of all Hive Talk Live segments. See, now I'm really excited because that's just you know I, I yeah. Well, okay. I, I I'm looking at this list like you know 
I'm kind of looking at who, who, who enjoys Thanksgiving probably the most out of all of these players. I would say it has to start with Al Jefferson. Sure. You know, we know, we know that he, he, he loves to eat. Um, I'm going to say, you know, for, for some reason, my, I'm picturing Al Jefferson as, as with mashed potatoes and gravy. I just get that sense. You know, I don't know. That's, that's, my, that's my pick with Al. He's your, so I'm, so I'm going to start with that. Okay. So he's mashed potatoes and gravy. You like Al Jefferson as mashed yeah. potatoes and gravy. I actually have Al would, Jefferson. Do you have a, do you have a, a further explanation of that? Well, I was just going to say I would have said fried chicken, but he's trying to you know he obviously went right. off of that, and that's not really a Thanksgiving dish anyways. Yeah, well, so. it could be. I wouldn't it mind it. I'd switch it up a little bit. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, no, I have Al Jefferson as butternut squash. All right, stay with me. Stay with me. Butternut squash, I feel like, is an older staple of the Thanksgiving feast and and it's something that people would would bring as sort of a healthy alternative to your Thanksgiving staples like turkey stuffing mashed potatoes and gravy for example so i think there's that that's why he's the the butternut squash but it's also i feel like something that you're you're going to try because aunt mary brought it and you don't want to be rude but when it comes down to crunch time you're probably going turkey. You're probably going stuffing, and I think that's what's happening with Al Jefferson this year. Is 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 we're trying him. We're we're utilizing his uh, assets early on in the game, and then I think later on in the game, uh, maybe his defense is becoming a little bit of a liability. So Al Jefferson is my butternut squash. Okay, what else you got? Okay, I'm gonna. Excuse me. Maybe a maybe a subtle shot. I don't know. I'm going to say Spencer Haas is a sweet potato um, casserole. Yeah, sweet potato casserole. All right. Because, you know, and, and, and bear with me, and I mean no offense, but I just find it a little overrated. Oh, my God. Listen, <laughs> sweet potato casserole is my favorite Thanksgiving food. How di- You are a guest on this show, sir. All right. You know, it's it, – yeah, that's that's sorry. All right, I, so I you crush you crush you there, but uh, well, I'll tell you. Um, I'll, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to tell no, you. No, who, you go ahead. Who I was going to tell you who my sweet potato casserole is. It's actually Jeremy Lamb, because okay. to me, what makes sweet potato casserole so brilliant is that it truly is the sum of its parts. And oh, yeah, you know, it, it's like sweet potatoes on their own; they can be good. And a, and a healthy option, but and then pecans same way they can be good and a healthy option, but when you combine everything together and you add a little butter, uh, it really and it really sticks. I just feel like Jeremy Lamb is just a solid sweet potato casserole. All right, what else you got for me? Well, I'm going to say Kemba. Kemba's, Kemba's got to be your turkey. You know, he's you know you're thinking about who you go to first. You know, I mean, like that. Or, or is your is your, chem, is, is your turkey? Is your meat? Whatever it is, I like that because you know, hey, you know, it's it's it, there's got to be a main dish, and I think that's you know, Walker, Walker goes with that. All right, for turkey though, I'm going to go actually with Marvin Williams because I feel like turkey is an old staple, and and I really like Marvin uh, Williams. Yeah. He's an old staple. He's just he's giving and and he's giving you a little more though, and I feel like sometimes at Thanksgiving, turkey. It can be an old staple, but sometimes people do a little bit extra with the turkey, whether it's deep frying it, whether it, and sometimes yeah. it, it's a little juicier. And I think this year the turkey is just right. Marvin Williams is my turkey this year, 
And again, that's a compliment. Um, you for, know what? Yeah, I, I've actually I'm going to change I'm going to change mine because because I'm going to say Walker is not the turkey for me. He's actually and this is just I don't know this is just a family thing with me. We have a uh, we have a, cr- a family cream corn recipe, and it is always it's it's the way, the way that they do it. It's just it has an extra flair to it. It's like that one. I mean, it just makes the it just completes the plate. And, and okay. my my uh, Thanksgiving you know tradition, and it's I mean it's just it's dynamic, and I just got to say that's that's Walker you know because he, he's just he adds that flair to the team you know other guys you kind of know how how, how they're going to score but Walker just can score in so many different ways. I yeah. like I like that. And let me tell you, Nick, you are really taking to this this tradition. I really appreciate it. You're really you're really giving it <laughs> giving it everything you have. Uh, you speak of you you reminded me of one of my picks when you said that this uh, cream corn sort of blends with other foods it really it kind of leaks into other foods and that's why i named cody zeller uh uh, my potatoes my mashed potatoes because you can really i feel like you can mix mashed potatoes with anything so if mashed potatoes are sitting there on your plate you can take your turkey you can dip it in the mashed potatoes and get a little mashed potatoes in your corn and i really and if if kfc's like bowl mashed potato bowl proved anything it's that you can put anything on top of mashed potatoes and it sort of just gels everything together so Cody Zeller, we he's been a starter. He's been in the second unit. He's played crunch time. He's not played crunch time. He's playing defense. He's rebounding. Maybe he's throwing down a, a, a an enormous jam. But he's been able to do a little bit of everything and play uh, multiple roles. And again, potatoes. You can do anything with potatoes. You can mash them. You can cut them. Yeah. I'm going with uh, potatoes for Cody Zeller. Do you have any more? Or should I start? Are... Should I start reeling? I think I think you should start really. I'm curious who you have as like. Do you have one for uh, green bean casserole? I don't. I don't. I couldn't find a, a proper metaphor for green bean casserole. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to think of one as well. But no, you you go ahead. All yeah. right. So stuffing. I've got Nick Batum. That's a simple one because Nick Batum is yeah. a bona fide stat stuffer. So he is my yeah. stuffing. Uh, and and Spencer Hawes is actually. I'm going to go a little off the rails and and say Spencer Hawes is Uncle Larry. Spencer Hawes is, is that Uncle Larry that, you know, sometimes he says things that are a little uh, possibly slightly racist, um, you know, uh, certainly off color, uh, but he is still redeeming in a way and, and is still and still can come through with a really nice story about growing up or or a really nice anecdote and I really feel like that's Spencer Hawes. Uh, I'm not saying Spencer Hawes is, is off-color or racist. I'm saying Spencer Hawes can do some silly things sometimes, make some silly passes, and and, and take some shots that really make you go, ugh, like Uncle Larry. You're like, ugh, should he have yeah. taken that? Should he have said that at the table? I don't know. Um, but then again, you're, you've you've eaten your food, and you get Uncle Larry alone, and Larry you know, tells you a really good story. So that's uh, my pick for Spencer Hawes. And finally, Jeremy Lin. What do you think Jeremy Lin is? I'm going to say Jeremy Lin most resembles yeast rolls. Why yeast rolls? Because yeast rolls smell so delicious when they first come out of the oven. And Jeremy Lin, whenever he flies off the bench, been able to do some really, he's really hot, he's really excited, he really gets to the basket, he goes for it. And he's constantly moving around the table, just like yeast rolls or constantly moving around the court. Yeast rolls always moving around the table. 
and he's causing chaos, just like yeast rolls. Yeast rolls cause chaos because people are reaching over one another. You go back for seconds. Again, like Jeremy Lin, you bring him in in crunch time. Go back for seconds. So that is our Hornets holiday feast. Uh, tweet us your tweet us your uh, thoughts on this. Which which players resemble Thanksgiving foods the most? We'd love to hear. Even after the show goes down, if you're listening on iTunes, tweet us. We'd love to see those uh, over the holiday break. Nick, uh, this has been a really fun show. Uh, thanks for stepping in. Uh, appreciate appreciate you stepping in in crunch time. You are this show's uh, yeast rolls for sure. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, I, 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 I like that, yeah. Thank you guys uh, for listening so much. Everyone, go out there and enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy uh, uh, your time with your family or your friends. Um, and uh, keep listening and keep watching the Hornets. Uh, I'm Doug Branson for Nick Denning and David Walker and and Katie, producer Katie, saying uh, let's swarm and eat lots of food and give something to somebody too. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.